point is, the end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over before you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer whisperer. He seemed so nice and normal. You don't want to come back to my place? That smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Can we go now? No explody. Yay, that's the best kind of explody. Or wait, no, other way around. No problem, no problem. <laughs> Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. So today on Beer with Buffy, a retro aneurysmalytical love roast. <sighs> oh, Freudian slip. Sorry, too soon? Wow. Okay, okay. Today we'll be reviewing season five, episode <laughs> 16 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Body. So, first of all, Rex, I'm not crying, you're crying! <laughs> and today will be an exercise, a very manly exercise. We've gone ahead and we've set up this fancy-ass chess timer so we can fairly, neatly, and very masculinely, in a calm and organized manner, take turns completely losing our shit! <laughs> Are these terms amenable? I suppose. I think I mispronounced that. Is that amenable? I don't actually know how to pronounce that one. Yeah, don't care either. Cool, glad we agree on something. That's I, a good way to start. Actually, I do care now. Good way to start. Well, I, I care now. I, I can't not care now. All right. Well, while Rex is looking up the pronunciation of amenable, which I'm fairly certain is amenable, we're again drinking Woodford Reserve and reads because we're creatures of habits. It is amenable. Yeah. Amenable. Amenable. So yeah, you cool. had it right the first time? Fan well, no, I said amenable the first oh, time. no. Okay, so you had it wrong the first I time. I corrected myself too, amenable. Uh, I'd say the only thing really worthy of note here is that I'm drinking out of a new whiskey glass that I acquired at Christmas time from my brother that has the little Hylian shield from Zelda on it, and uh, it's neat. I like Zelda. Zelda is good. The legend of Zelda. Um, but we're not here to talk about The Legend of Zelda. We're here to talk about Buffy the Goddamn Vampire Slayer. Yes. But first, the entire reason we are here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is our executive doodle-doos. Executive doodle-doos? Yes, our executive doodle-doos. Those who gratefully, gratefully support us on Patreon. If you would also like to be an executive doodle-doo, you can do that. Patreon.com slash beer with Buffy. Well, Fuck. Yes. Fuck. Fuck. Fuck off! <laughs> we have some new names. We have Dulcinea, Rachel Gregory. Oh my. Rachel Doodle Doo. There it is. D. Sharinghausen. Uh huh. Club E. Seal. Mr. Tabalicious. Sandra Craig. Jay Sommer. Christina. <laughs> Catherine Parkinson. Karen Moon. Chris V. Man. Irregarded Turtle Liker. <laughs> Uh, it's not even irregardless. How can you be upset by that? It's still wrong. <laughs> Scarlet Choi, Janella Lindauer, bad at changing their name heaps, Andy Burgess, Kfronome, Father DeFenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you so much. Without you, the show literally is not possible. Splendid. Now, Josh. Yes, Rex? 
Are you ready to use inappropriate dark humor to cope with uncomfortable emotions involving our own mortality and the potential dredging up of memories regarding our emotionally stunted and toxic families throughout our childhoods? I've never been more unready for something in my life, Rex. (laughs) Which is why I'm so fucking ready for this. (laughs) This episode's gonna be a fucking train wreck. I just spent three hours low-key crying in a corner of a public coffee shop. So this had better fucking be good. Do you remember Dumb and Dumber, the scene where they're, they've they realized that this briefcase they're carrying has millions or at least a million dollars in it, and they're in a really expensive hotel, and they're watching a really sad movie. Vaguely. I vaguely I don't remember this. what fucking movie they were watching, but they're blubbering like cartoon assholes. Well, they are cartoon assholes. They are cartoon assholes and idiots. And I just, I feel like it's going to be kind of like that, except <laughs> we won't be blowing our noses with $100 bills. I think I'll be okay. Okay. So you will be blowing your nose with $100 bills. No, I don't think I will. Gotcha. I mean, first off, I would need $100 bills. Yeah. It's um, my point exactly. So, you know, that's not really going to be a problem because I don't have any $100 bills. Yeah, we could have each at and least I mean, brought $100 bill. At this current moment, I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You have a podcast. You're internet famous. <laughs> You got this. You're going to bounce right back, buddy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So, yeah. Did we have any new reviews or anything like that? Um, Nope, definitely no new reviews. This episode wouldn't be particularly appropriate to do voicemails on, so we're just no. going to go ahead and skip no. that. So- sorry. Sorry, but yeah. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just time to get on with it and get with the get with the synopsisizing. I mean, I don't know what we're talking about. I'm sure everyone's just fine. Nothing's wrong at all. <laughs> Joyce is going to make it through to the end of season seven like everybody else. I, I mean, I don't know why I'm, I'm not. I don't know why I'm picking Joyce in particular. I mean, so is Dawn. So is Buffy. Definitely Anya for sure. Um, <laughs> Xander. Etc. Um, Spike, even. <laughs> we, we should just get on with this. Oh, oh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> what kind of a synopsis did you want? A mom synopsis. Oh, I can probably accommodate. Let's see what I have here. Um, oh, here's one. Joshua. <laughs> what are you doing, Joshua? Hi, mom. What you doing over there? Taking a nap? Hello? I said, what are you doing, Joshua? That's my question. You don't get to ask my question. Mom? Hello, are you deaf? I asked you a question, Joshua. I asked you (laughs) the question. Mom? You always were a selective listener, Joshua, just like your father. Mommy? (laughs) God damn it, this isn't television, Joshua. I am not the dead mother from that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, oh, honey, are you crying? Are, are you crying for me, Joshua? Psych, I can hear you the whole time. Ha! You're an asshole, Joshua. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't kill you off, too. It's kind of hard to have a parental synopsis without a parent. That's not funny, Joshua. Well, okay, it was pretty funny when we killed your father on the Christmas episode. Do you remember that, Joshua? How could I forget? It's the only good memory I have of you. (laughs) What would you do if I really died, Joshua? 
You know I won't be around forever, Joshua. Someday you'll wish you could talk to me and I won't be there and you'll miss me. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I will beat you with a stick until you... Until what? Until I die? No, just until you bleed a little. I, I'm not a psychopath, Joshua. <laughs> I can't torture you forever if you're dead. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> on that note, on today's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy comes home and finds Joyce dead on the couch. She calls an ambulance and Giles. The paramedics declare her dead on arrival. Giles shows up and it's a whole thing. The Scoobies spend the rest of the episode trying to figure out how best to help care for Buffy while each of them deals with their own grief in their own unique characteristic ways. Willow changes her clothes too much. Tara shares her own similar experiences. Xander gets angry. Anya gets frustrated and asks seemingly inconsiderate questions. Giles does Buffy's homework. Dawn melts down because nobody understands her, and Buffy dissociates. Dawn needs to see the body to help wrap her head around the concept of death, and Buffy fights a vampire in the morgue. The end. Yeah, not not a hell of a lot of meat to this episode, except there is. Except, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> there like, is, though. There is, but there isn't. But, yeah. it It's all emotional meat. Yeah. There's not meat meat. It's emotional meat. That's how that works, right? Yeah, it's it's baked meat. It's not deep fried meat. You know, <laughs> I did want to mention the the hilarity with your synopsis being that you flashbacked to the Christmas episode. Oh yeah, and they flashback to the Christmas episode <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Is that actually from the Christmas episode? No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's from the actual episode. I th I think it was around the time of the last Christmas episode. Um, but it's not a scene directly from... Right. yeah. It takes place between two episodes, Yeah, the, the Wikipedia said. Okay. So, it is not an actual flashback to a previous scene, it's just a flashback to a previous time. Well, that was completely unintentional genius on my part. You're welcome. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed bitches, as soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Cold open. Yeah. Uh, we don't get a last time on Buffy or anything like that. We just immediately open to the scene that we left with. Complete repeat of how they ended the previous episode. And uh, Buffy comes home, calling through the house, talking to Joyce as if she's somewhere in the house. And I mean, she she is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, uh, kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Buffy finds some flowers that are from Brian, the, the guy that Joyce went on a date with, I guess, last week or a few days ago. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where it lands on the timeline here. Recently. Yeah, like a, a day or so ago. Yeah, it seems like point, it was yeah. just yesterday, but if we have to go by the every Tuesday yeah. release episode, I, that's kind of how I think of the Buffy timeline. I don't know if that's actually how it works in the script. But... Yeah, flowers, yay, nice. Buffy mutters to herself... <laughs> Uh, I thought it was funny. She reads the note from the flowers. She's like, well, there's a few guys still getting it, right? Something like that. She yells out to Joyce, do you want me to pick up Dawn from school? And she turns to see Joyce lying on the couch. And uh, this moment is of note because it is probably the most fucking iconic genius cinematography since the movie Halloween 
in my opinion. Okay. I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong. But we've got this shot of Buffy looking up the stairwell, calling out to Joyce. Yep. And we see, and the way the, the scene is framed and focused, we see blurrily over Buffy's shoulder, this blurry figure lying on the couch. And it's very mysterious. And if you're not paying attention, you might not even really notice it. But you've still got this subconscious feeling of something's wrong. It just gives you this super ominous pit in your stomach. And then she turns around and they focus in on Joyce. And then Buffy does the the thing that's a hell of a way to kick off this episode. The Buffy opening theme has never been so jarring. Right? It was, <laughs> it's such a short opening. Yeah. Just with the mom, mom, mommy. And uh, Sarah Michelle Geller plays each one of them fucking perfectly. This is probably some of the best acting I've ever fucking seen from Sarah Michelle Geller. Out of like she, really like, a lot of the cast, but especially. Yeah. Oh, Sarah Michelle like, Geller. She just this the way is so outrageously perfectly believable. Yeah, the like, way it, absolutely every bit of the it. The way it builds up, you can see the thought process. Yeah. in her face, what she you can feel what she's thinking just from saying one word three times. Yeah. So after the opening, we don't actually go back to that room where the body is. We actually go to Christmas dinner. A flashback scene. Yeah, tons of little cute-ass moments here. Xander thinking it's appropriate and somehow a compliment to say that he's going to barf from all the deliciousness. Yeah. (laughs) I got a quote of the day from Willow here, because they're talking about Santa. Willow says, Santa always passes me by. Something always puts him off. Oh, yeah. Could be the big hawk and menorah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know, get it? Because she's Jewish. Because she's Jewish, right. Uh, I also had a quote of the day here. Because Willow and Tara are having their own little awkward couple moment. Everybody's having awkward couple moments, all the couples anyway. Yeah. Because Willow had too much eggnog, and Tara offers to rub her tummy. (laughs) uh, Xander's like, how you doing there, Will? Are you in the vomit club too? (laughs) Willow says, I had too much nog. Tara says, oh, baby, want me to rub your tummy? She likes it when I stop explaining things. (laughs) Uh, it It was a great catch on Tara's part. This is a really good Tara episode, actually. Really good Tara and Anya episode. Yeah. Both of them, whether or not they work through their awkwardness and grow as characters, we at the very least understand them better as characters by the end of this episode. Yeah, like... Which is just as good. Like, Giles, Willow, and Xander, they're all solid. Mm -hmm. They're super solid. But, like, we've gotten plenty of emotionality out of them previously so like we know where they're at and we know exactly what to expect out of them yeah but this is really the first time that we get a lot of emotion out of tara and anya more so than anyone else yeah so like it's fantastic it's just it's so fucking oh my god okay anyway we got and don get don gets some good moments too but oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that so don accidentally drank some nog with rum in it anya informs them all that Santa is real, but is in fact a child disemboweling monster. Yeah. But the reindeer are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, Santa's... Yeah. Um, and uh, so over in the kitchen, uh, Giles opens up a new bottle of wine. Buffy approves. Girl, 
he he's asking if he should open another, a new bottle of wine and Joyce is like oh are you sure we ought to and Buffy's line here is like you know as long as it's not band candy good callback makes it super awkward for the two of them which is fucking great yeah they're like oh yeah remember that time we banged because we were super high on magic candy yeah well, i forget what exactly was wrong with the candy so let's the, just... the candy made them children yeah or, i remember well, teenagers. i remember what it made them do i just don't remember what the explanation of why they were horny teenagers yeah but so magic candy yeah i mean like was it drugged or was it cursed it was cursed okay cursed by that dude that ripper knew yeah Mag- okay, magic candy. Yeah. See, I don't know why I even ever questioned it. Magic candy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the real the real moment here. Uh, so Joyce burns the pie. There's a, a fun little line where Buffy is like, "Oh no, it it's fine. It's just blackened. It's Cajun pie, <laughs> right?" But and she swears if they just cut off some of the burnt edges, and then they they're trying to cut it off and. They accidentally dropped the pie right onto Joyce's super dead white face. This is editing done fucking right, man. Yes, yes it is. Oh, it was so jarring. There's so many spots where it's so jarring. So quick cut back to reality. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I mean. And Buffy shakes Joyce's body furiously panicked and then runs to the kitchen. I want to say that the flashback... In any of the moments where they kind of have the these flashbacks or moments of fantasy or anything like that. that Daydreams the, of denial. That Buffy is experiencing. These are dissociative episodes. Yeah. I think she's dissociating because she's she's in shock and... Yeah, you know, like I said, that's, that's her M.O. pretty much most of this episode. Yeah. That's... She's dealt with a lot of shit and she yeah. doesn't know how to fucking handle it anymore. Well, and this is a problem that you can't punch it, right? And no, that's that's a good point. See, I knew she was dissociating, but I didn't necessarily put two and two together that the uh, the Thanksgiving scene was her being dissociative. Right. Right out of the gate. Yeah. But so Buffy runs up and shakes Joyce's body furiously in a panic. I, th- I think she's just screaming, Mom, 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 and yeah. uh, runs to the kitchen, calls 911, starts to fucking hyperventilate as she tries to gather herself just enough to remember what an address is and that they have one of those and lastly what it actually is so that she can give it to the dispatcher and uh, that was about the point where I was sitting in public at a coffee shop and I messaged you and I was like I don't think I can watch this in public I think I need to come over you managed it though. I yeah, I calmed down and I I was like, you know, I'm gonna give it another shot, and then I just continued to cry at, <laughs> in a fucking hey <laughs> in a coffee shop for another couple hours. And if anyone ever asks, just be like, I'm working on a podcast. <laughs> I was hoping it's fine. I wanted to explain it to somebody, but nobody asked. Bunch of assholes, <laughs> insensitive pricks. Everybody. God damn. I think it's the other way around. I think they're like, oh, that person's crying. I'm going to leave them be. No, they're the assholes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing, though. Um, back when I was working uh, security and emergency first response at the uh, senior housing place, um, I kept the security phone number and our address on a little post-it taped to the back of my ID badge. Oh, yeah. 
because in that moment when shit's hitting the fan, I didn't want a chance not remembering that information. Sure, sure. And that's a very real thing. Like, Oh, dude, every time, doesn't matter what the reason, calling 911 is just a fucking trigger for me. It sends me into a panic no matter how minor the emergency is. Like, one time... Yeah. I noticed that there was a car on the side of the road and there was a little debris, but they were like, they like fell off the road into a construction zone where it was like a foot high of concrete and they're like stuck behind it. And there was this narrow um, exit that I had to go through. And I'm like, why is there debris here? Why are there headlights? So, oh shit, somebody's (laughs) fucked over there. And just calling 911 for that just gets me choked up and weird. I should not be doing security under any <laughs> circumstances. I, I'm pretty good with the stoicism. So, like, yeah. generally speaking, I do, I'm do. i very good in, in those sorts of circumstances. But... Uh, yeah. Well, trauma. I mean, we both yeah. have trauma. But it affects oh, yeah. different people in different ways. Well, this guy wants to fight with weapons. I've got it covered from A to Z. From Axe to Z other Axe. I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. So, yeah, basically, the 911 gets her address, directs her to do CPR. Um, She, like, cracks a rib or Joyce's sternum. Yeah, she's got that slayer strength. I mean, first of all, you're not supposed to do CPR when they're laying on a soft surface. Well, yeah, but, like, obviously... Which actually made it less likely that she was going to crack a rib... I mean, super strength, though. Yeah, (laughs) super slayer strength. But she should have just moved her onto the floor first. But in her defense, she said she didn't remember how to do CPR because she's fucking in a dissociative panic. Yeah. She mentions to the 911 operator that Joyce is cold. And the 911 operator actually refers to Joyce as the body. The body is cold? Yeah. Yeah. And Buffy responds, no, my mom. And I'm like, oh, dear. Shit just got real. Shit just got too real. She asks at this point how long it's going to be till the ambulance gets here. And then just kind of the panic is over and a calm, not a good calm, mind you, but she's in shock. A calm. Yes. A shock calm falls over her and there's just this long breezy moment of reality washing over her and she tells 911 dispatch that she needs to make a call and she hangs up the phone she calls she calls Giles yep and doesn't give him much just she's here at the house and that's pretty much it yeah and I was like, oh, does she mean Joyce? Did she mean Glory? Does she think Glory's there? Does she think Glory did it? And obviously, Giles is asking these same questions. Yeah. What's the, what the fuck is going on? About this time, the paramedics arrive. Yeah. They start going through the process, but... They put her on the floor. They yeah. intubate her. They call it bagging her, which I've never heard that term, but I'm no paramedic, so... I, I've heard it called that. Okay. Uh, um, they mend intubation, and they start chest compressions with artificial breathing. I think they had a, a squeezer thing with the tube. And they ask Buffy about Joyce's health history. Buffy mentions the tumor. 
And then Joyce comes too, coughing, and everything's fine. Season seven, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. <laughs> the paramedic's like, man, I've never brought one back this stiff. It's a miracle. They get in the ambulance, and then they're in the hospital, and the doctor's like, oh, she's going to be just fine. She's good as new. Joyce is like, Buffy, thank God you found me in time. Oh, that's a dissociative ep episode, too. Yep. Whoops. The paramedics declare her dead, which actually legally they can't do. Oopsie. Um, but right, that's for the coroner, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. Um. Well, they. Well, they others, can. There's... They can, if so. It, it's probably different in California, but here in Michigan, I'm pretty sure that the paramedic can declare death, but it's usually like there's a doctor on the phone or something like that. Interesting. See, there's a couple things here that I question about their protocol. And I got to say, it, it's at least better than the episode of Angel with the fucking EMT. Yeah. Who's literally just holding Wesley's head up while he bleeds to death from the stomach. Yes. <laughs> so they, they were better than that anyway. Yeah. Now, they would, in fact, leave her there for the coroner. Sure. But... I don't think they'd ever get to the point of even doing CPR because I think they'd get there, they'd check her, they'd see that she is cold. Oh, yeah. I Which they say like, after a moment of yeah. CPR. Honestly, I assumed that they did that as theater because they knew the daughter was in the room. I don't think I, professionally I don't, that no, they would actually no, do that. No real EMTs would ever do that. No, I don't either. Um but they they would get there and be like, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And so one of them comes to her and uh, has to do the very formal, I have to tell you that your mother is dead. And the coroner's on their way. Um, try not to disturb the body. Maybe have a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just fucking leave her there. Well, they ask if someone is... With her or on the way, she says someone's Yeah, I know. Coming. They asked if there was anybody they could call, and she said someone's on their way, but for fuck's sake, at least wait for them to get there. Okay, I. they had another call to go on. We hear their radio going off. They're busy. They're, they're hardworking EMTs or paramedics, whichever. But Buffy is clearly super fucking in yeah, shock. I, I do not think that the ambulance... Or the I, I do not think for a moment that the EMTs would have just left. No. First of all, there's more paperwork to do than just, oh, we tried CPR, next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I don't know much about being a paramedic, but they don't get to clear the scene that fucking quick. No. But it's TV, and uh, there's, there's a few things where they shove reality to the side for the sake of drama, and this is one of them. Yeah. And it's fine. And then we get we get a really heart wrenching moment as the, after they've left, Buffy's standing at the door and calls after them, "Good luck." Yeah, this that whole short exchange is again very dissociative. He says, "I'm sorry for your loss," and she's just got the weirdest look on her face. And all she knows how to do is let her autopilot say, "Thank you." Yeah, and as he walks away, she understands that they have another call to go on and she says good luck uh 
she's like she doesn't know what to do so she resorts to just being polite yeah normal which, polite that's which, very believable it yeah it absolutely <laughs> is and, and then, it was weird and it was perfect yeah and then it was so realistic her reaction yeah the way the paramedics did their job not realistic yeah, yeah, not, not important not so, not so much also not important right because her reaction was fucking spot on so she comes back into the room sees her lying there turns heads back towards the kitchen uh vomits and vomits yeah thanks xander for putting all that up in our heads uh this one however is not due to all of the deliciousness yeah right so yeah and then she gets up off the floor goes to the back door opens the back door stands there for a minute listens to the neighbor kids like playing you can hear wind chimes yeah it's fuck she looks fucking awful yeah like so sweaty and just fucking burnt out from not even five minutes yeah and like realistically about five minutes like for the tv show's sake less than five minutes yeah real life i guess you could uh, i've waited 15 20 minutes for an ambulance to show up before but oh yeah I, they are <laughs> they're very rarely that fast but let's assume that they were that close and they showed up like not much time has elapsed here but hey it doesn't even matter because like she can't tell how much time she been. is haggard from a half hour of life tops. Yeah, exactly. Tops. But she comes back into the kitchen, grabs a bunch of paper towel to clean up the vomit. She's cleaning up the vomit as Giles gets there. This meandering listlessness that she's got going on. Completely, fully, obviously in shock. Eats up another five minutes of the episode. Oh, yeah. They even spent a good deal of time, more than I expected... And more than was welcome of just watching the paper towel soak up the vomit. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're really laying it on thick right now. <laughs> so yeah, Giles gets there and he's like, where is Glory here? What's going on? And Buffy can't really respond. She's too out of it. And then he notices the body. Yeah. He reacts the way you ought to in that sort of circumstance. Yeah. Well, Giles is going to fix it. Giles can make everything better. But this freak, this freaks Buffy out because, you know, you're not supposed to touch the body. At the very least, he made it so that we didn't have to keep looking at the moist paper towel vomit. Y yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he goes in to, like, check Joyce. Buffy freaks out and chases after him and screams at him, we're not supposed to move the body. Yeah. Um. And that's the moment where the shock kind of breaks and the horror of everything comes back in a I rush. I didn't think it could go right back to being so fucking gut-wrenching so quickly. Right? I was like, oh, whoa. Oh, we got the hard part over with. Shit. Okay, now Giles is here. All right, Giles is going to make heaven. Oh, God, there's the heartstrings again. Fuck me on a shit stick. He fucking runs straight to Joyce. The panic. The panic in the man's voice. Yeah. Okay, I... You know what? Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance was fucking spot on. And, uh... 
close, very close runner-up, Anthony Stewart Head. There isn't a performance in this episode that isn't just phenomenal. Absolutely. Everybody is by, by on the way, their fucking top game. This is cited as being Sarah Michelle Gellar's, Allison Hannigan's, Anthony Stewart Head's, and Nicholas Brendan's favorite episode. Oh, really? All yeah, of them? All of them. Well... I mean, <laughs> I have opinions on that, and we'll get to it when we're done. Uh, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, I think this is the best episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer thus far. I might have to agree, but we'll but get there. We'll, we'll get discuss there. that we'll later. There. Yeah. There's a great deal of myth about Dracula. Imagine the trick to defeating him lies in separating the fact from the fiction. What kind of an unholy creature wants his cheap, tasteless statue? <sighs> yeah, so the horror returns, the gut-wrenching happens, and we cut away. Yeah. We cut to Dawn at school. There's a quick shot of the body bag zipping oh, up around yeah, Joyce. Yeah, I I actually missed that. They They cut pretty much every scene with something happening with Joyce's body. Yeah. So, first off, you know, they wouldn't want us to forget. Yeah. By the way, remember that Joyce is going to live well past season seven? (laughs) That's what's happening here with this body bag. (laughs) (laughs) This is Joyce living. We cut to a scene, Dawn crying at school, but she's not crying over over her mom being dead. Is that that joke really unwelcome right now? Because I still think it's hilarious. I'm just trying to get through the Am episode. I absolutely ruining it for everybody right now? Because <laughs> I'm pretty happy about it. Uh. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I know. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You were saying. I just know that if I even mention you stopping, it will make you not stop harder. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm sorry. You were saying. <laughs> anyway, Don's crying at school. Yeah. Oh, but the lead-in is perfect. She She's leaning next to a mirror in a bathroom, and her first line that comes out of her mouth is, as she's crying, tear rolls down her cheek. I can't believe it. And I'm like, really? That's her reaction to Joyce dying? Bitch, please. Oh, it's not, though. But they pulled the old uh, Buffyverse flip on us. Kind of, sort of. It feels like it. It's in the same room. As the the Buffy flip. It is. But it it isn't the same thing. It's just just subversion. Exactly. Subversion of expectations. Right. Which, I mean, this has subversion of expectations all the time, this show does. It does. But it wasn't something was said in the previous scene cut to exactly the opposite thing happening. You're right. She's upset because some boy called her freaky because some girl She's super freaky. But she... (laughs) <laughs> Some girl had referenced her, I guess, her self-harm thing and is like spreading rumors about her self-harm, referencing to the point where she actually did self-harm when she found out she was the key. Right. And she's kind of trying to keep that, um, you know, a personal thing. Yeah. Because it's a very personal thing. But there's this gossip queen. She's trying to dry up her tears and make it look like she hasn't been crying because... This girl, Kirsty, 
Don't worry, Don. You don't look like you've been crying at all. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you maybe sniffed an onion for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Kirsty's been spreading these fucking rumors that Don was a suicidal head case and that she was adopted. And uh, Don's like, oh my god, that's such a huge lie. And like, I got cut by accident once. And if I could make Kirsty's head explode with just my brain, like, I totally would. And, uh, well, that makes two of us, Don. That makes two of us. Why would you? Well, may I note that the date of recording today is, uh, June 26, 2022. Only two days ago, Roe versus Wade got overturned. Well, yeah. Why would you make Christie's head explode? Oh, I didn't mean Christie's head. Oh. It would be nice to have the power to explode heads, though. Yeah. That's a lot of work, though. Like... Imagine <laughs> how much effort would be set before us if if we suddenly had that power. Like imagine all the nose great power. With great power comes great responsibility, and there's a lot of heads to explode. There are, but if you could do it through the television, yeah, that if would... you really that means you only have to focus on the image of a person to make it real. But yeah, yeah the nosebleeds would just be. Fun, fun fact, in The Boys, there is a character with the power to explode heads. High maintenance. Yeah. It would be high maintenance. That's where I was going with that. That's if if you get nosebleeds. Not all not all mental powers give you nose, nosebleeds. I want to say it also happened in the one-off, one-season series, I'm Not Fucking Okay With This, which oh. was slated to have... God, a, that was such a good show. It was a fucking amazing show. Uh, it and died via, via Netflix's Bullshit. Yes, it did. And it seemed like it was very much inspired by Stranger Things, and I didn't care. Oh, no, it was... I didn't oh, care how so similar it was. it was. It was so fucking yeah. good. Yeah. And, well, it, was, it wasn't It was so much Netflix so much as COVID that got that one canceled. No, oh, no, no. It was definitely all Netflix. Okay, well, fuck Netflix. It was, it was definitely all Netflix. <laughs> fucking pricks. Netflix greenlighting too many goddamn shows that they can't afford. I want Cowboy Bebop back. I don't care how bad it was. We've been there. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, uh, They leave the bathroom to head to art class. Hey, guess what? They actually cast a bunch of high school aged actors. Weird. I actually dug into this further, finally. <laughs> okay. I know why they could cast high school actors for these scenes and not casting actual high schoolers for the series as a whole. I mean, I have guesses, but go on. Labor law. Okay. Teen actors can't act as long on one day as adult actors. Oh. So they couldn't cast the cast who's carrying the show. The core cast, sure. At, like, they couldn't cast them as... They needed legal adults. Exactly. That could play younger. Exactly. Sure. And so because they had a bunch of adults as their main high school cast, they had to cast the entirety of the high school with adults so they'd look continuity wise roughly the same age to make it believable <laughs> whereas this because while dawn is a season regular she's not in the show so much she's not carrying the show she's a side character so at the very least they can cast her as a teenager and they can cast the rest of the other high yeah, schools they got plenty of other characters to work exactly. with they can minimize time with Dawn. It's fine. It's so, yeah, that's that's why they cast adults. Neat. Yeah. Fascinating, actually. It's, yeah, it is. <laughs> Labor laws. 
My, my only problem is that when they try to cast people that are just completely unbelievable, like at the very least, when they cast this cast of people, you know, they were all as close to 18 as manageable mm-hmm. and not like, well, except for Charisma Carpenter. Well, yeah, but she still looked the same age as everyone for the time being. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the the point is, though, is like you get some instances where they cast like late 20s as being high schoolers i wish they just so fuck like i wish they'd cast steve buscemi as xander oh god <laughs> it would have been perfect <laughs> hello fellow high school students <laughs> i also like to skateboard oh god anyway anyway moving on moving on don goes to art class art class i remember this sort of drawing exercise I never did I really a drawing it. exercise like this. I was uh, probably significantly more into art class than you were. I don't recall really having options for it. I remember knowing that there were other kids who were doing like real drawings in art class. And I was like, I didn't even know that was an option. But okay. I was quite serious about my art at the time. So I I did absolutely every single art class that my school offered. Yeah, that's fair. I see. I was I went the theater route, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, Dawn's drawing on an easel, and it's right next to super teen heartthrob Kevin. Yeah. Who makes some small talk about the teacher's art lesson about negative space or whatever. And then immediately it's like, So I heard you had a freak out and cut yourself. And I'm like, Yeah, way to charm him, bro. I mean, he's in high school. He's I got know. no moves. <laughs> and well, hey, psh, what do I know? It worked. So they, because they like super vibe over it, it's great. Yeah. And no, but really, she's all like, I just had a lot of intense stuff going on. And like a lot of people didn't understand that pain, which he counters perfectly with. Yeah, I get that. You know, it makes you feel like you want to do something extreme. Right. And then they start talking shit about Kirsty, which is fine. She deserves it. And again, they super vibe over an otherwise negative topic. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Sadly, that vibing is... Promptly interrupted by a, the emotional freight train that is your older sister. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we get some uh, that nice little uh, blurry something rather over the shoulder of Dawn, and they focus in, and it's Buffy going, "Woo, woo! <laughs> I'm here to ruin your day." Chugga, chugga! Fuck you! <laughs> your mom's dead, bitch. Ah, uh, this is this is super fucking awkward though, because <laughs> she steps in, she's like, "Dawn, I need to." We need to talk. And well, she was just explaining to Kevin that Kirsty didn't know how to pronounce annals. And just before she explains that she pronounced it anal, Buffy interrupts her and Kevin. Yeah. I was very disappointed. That was very much a up your alley sort of joke there. Right up my alley. <laughs> Damn right it was. That was banana all up my alley. Oh my God. Did you know that if you're creative enough, you can take the word banana and make it transition into anal by the end of the word? Yeah. You really only have to put an L on the end of banana. Yeah. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, it's because I told you that right before we started recording. I'm aware. I named a new alcoholic beverage, everybody. (laughs) All you have to do is get a hold of some banana pudding flavored liqueur <laughs> and then give the glass a peanut butter rim job. 
Let's <laughs> call it a. I don't know, there's lots of names. Look it up. <laughs> I'm sure it's internet famous by now. I doubt it. Banana anal. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. The hallway doesn't belong to you. Mom, I could stand in the hallway, right? My friend Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. Yeah. So Buffy interrupts her class. She obviously is like, well, what's going on? Mom was supposed to pick me up. And they go out into the hall and Buffy's trying to take Dawn to a private place. Yeah. Um, But Dawn doesn't want to. She wants to know what the fuck's going on right the fuck now. She realizes something is wrong right away. And um... <laughs> I mean, she's a smart kid. I like makes perfect sense to me that she'd be like, no, fucking what's going on? I was impressed. She's like, uh, can it wait? Even though she clearly knew that something was very wrong. Yeah. And so she's testing the waters here. She's a smart girl. She's like, uh, can it wait? I'm in class. And I'm like, no, it can't fucking wait, Dawn. Do you think she'd have chosen right now if it could fucking wait? And she knows that. She knows it. Personally, I think it could have waited. I... <laughs> I'll let her finish the day at school and then give her the news in private. But yeah. no, bar by all means, barge uh, into know. the classroom in front of everybody, pull her out where she's going to protest. You know her, and exactly this will happen. Okay, okay. First, I'm iffy on one point here. I'm absolutely iffy on it as well, morally speaking. I think morally, Buffy did absolutely the right thing. Tell her immediately. Exactly. Like... I can understand. Though. I can understand the reasoning behind let her finish her day, but that is the kind of thing that would build resentment. You know, I guess I just have too much resentment to understand that because because <laughs> my mom waited a week to tell me when my childhood dog died. Jesus, because she had her put to sleep while I was in college a city away an hour away a week i literally came home and i was like mom where is sandy about that oh like you, she didn't even inform you beforehand nope. like you just come home i and came home and was oh, like where's my dog okay. yeah that's rough i knew she was sick and i'm like just why don't you fucking tell me this is a recurring theme by the way the did the, she did she have the dog put down yes so she didn't call you and be like, hey, the dog needs to be put down. You might want to come here to have a last moment with the dog. Correct. This is a <sighs> recurring theme in my life. By the way, everybody, I don't know if I'm going to leave this in or edit it out. Right now, I'm just drunk enough to imagine I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, the mom synopsis is only very thinly veiled reality, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, no, anyway. You're, right, you're right. Morally, Buffy should should tell Dawn immediately, and yeah. it could build resentment. However, personally, the point of me telling that story is I don't think a couple hours is going to build so much resentment. Uh, it's not like they waited a whole day. Because I had spoken to my mother in yeah. between that time. Well, like, the other part here that I would, that I feel is important to consider is... 
I can imagine that Buffy just wanted Dawn there. Yeah. Like, she didn't want to wait because she needed... That would... She couldn't deal on her own. She needed Dawn there. You're right. Like, I think that is an important aspect here. That that is very important. They're very close sisters. And, like, that's... Sure, Buffy has the Scooby gang and everything, but that's that's not the same fucking thing. And I uh, absolutely applaud Buffy for going there and telling her in person. Yes. Um, I was going to save this for later, but you know, actually, I will just save it for... Uh, no, because fuck it. Um, when I was told that my father died, I was living a city away, an hour away... Uh, going to college by myself and nobody drove up there. It wasn't that fucking far away. Nobody no, drove up there to tell me I got a phone 45 call. Minutes. It's 45 minutes. Yeah. I got a fucking phone call and they were like, yep. Sorry. Your dad's dead. Okay. Bye. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yep. I'll cover that a little more later. Um, yeah. cause it's, it's rather analogous to something else later. Anyway, moving along. I want to get to the point. Like we're at the point now where, Buffy's telling her the showrunners here make a a really emotionally powerful editing choice. They do because we don't actually get to hear how Buffy tells her. Right. Um, Now it's actually the, the specific lines are actually written in the Wikipedia page. Oh, what did they lip read it? Well, no, it's probably just from the script. Okay. Um, because they wanted the lines to be there. Sure. Because you can you can't hear Buffy, but you can hear Dawn being upset, and she has a complete and total meltdown, as you probably would in that circumstance. Sure. Yeah. And it's painful. Yeah. I. <laughs> this was more emotionally retching to me than literally any other moment in this episode. That's arguable to me. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Buffy's decision to inform her, uh, immediately pull her out of class and make a scene like this, uh, Buffy's proactive news breaking, this is the stuff of how you get cinematic masterpieces. Yeah. Because Dawn's so strong-willed. And she's a lot like Buffy in that sense. And she's not stupid. No. And she doesn't want to wait till they get outside. She's an American, and she wants her fucking news right meow. (laughs) Right here in the hallway where everyone's watching with bated breath. Well, come on, Buffy. Give the people what they want. So we get this silent view. They use silence brilliantly. This whole fucking episode. This whole fucking episode. We'll get into that. Which, I mean, that's funny that this episode and Hush make the most use of silence, and they're also the most heralded episodes yeah. outside of Once More With Feeling of the entire series. It's no coincidence. Um, so we're looking over Kevin's shoulder through the windows. Yeah, and everyone in class is trying to not watch, and but they can't not. Yeah, exactly. Even the teacher. <laughs> and like you said, we start to just slowly we can't hear what buffy's saying but we see her gesturing and we see dawn's face slowly wrinkle up with grief until the point that she just literally fucking collapses to the floor and uh all anybody can do is stand by and watch yeah as they all guess exactly what the news is that she just received because it's 
fucking that's one of the brilliant things about this script and about the cinematography is everybody knows yeah. how to read that uh body language and those facial expressions. Yeah. Everybody and, knows like, what the fuck is going on. They don't have to hear a single word. I think it was also brilliant that they basically set up in the entire scene before this. They set up that the school, all her fellow students, know that her mom was sick. Oh, yeah. Oh. So they're You're not right. They're not guessing. They're doing very basic math. Yeah. Two and two so, together. Yeah, they they fucking know. They probably knew the moment Buffy came in to get Dawn. Because why else would the older sister be re- removing her yeah. from class? Even Dawn knew. She was just, oh, yeah. she was in denial. Which, like I said, we could see it on her face. She has this moment of, oh, fuck. But then lets the denial push it back down and be like, Bitch, I'm in class. You can't pull me out of class for something stupid. And I'm going to pull you out of class now, yeah, so well, it's obviously not something stupid. Exactly. I just I want to share a real quick story, because uh, one time I was in community college before I went to four-year college, and I was coming out of the registrar's office, and uh, there was a girl uh, sitting on a bench in the hallway talking on her cell phone. And then start, suddenly started crying, just like Dawn does in this scene. It was gut-wrenching. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, I feel like you know, I couldn't believe it at the time. I was like, did I really just witness that phone call? I didn't even, I've never had to think <laughs> twice about it. What exactly she just heard. Yeah. I was like, somebody very close to her just died. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that can make you wonder forever, but this type of thing, you fucking know exactly what it was. It's nuts. And uh, also, like I was saying earlier, you know, it reminds me of when my dad died and I got the phone call while I was at a a rehearsal for a play in college. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that went great. (laughs) Yeah. It went perfect. (laughs) Fucking perfect. I know I shouldn't be, but I'm still kind of embarrassed about, um, how I handled it. I, like I said, I know I shouldn't, but in retrospect, it pisses me off that nobody, like I was saying earlier, nobody bothered to drive up there to tell me. Yeah. Um, what had happened. I wasn't that far away. Uh, so I went to answer a phone call. My cell phone rings in the middle of rehearsal, which is already taboo enough in theater. Um, like you're not even supposed to have your cell phone on during a rehearsal, but the director whom I have plenty of, complaints about otherwise but was very understanding and was like no you can answer your phone call i don't care i didn't know what it was it was like do you mind if i just answer this phone call real quick okay be right back and uh then i came up missing for a half an hour and they started calling me wondering where the fuck i went and uh, well you know i was in a hallway in another wing of the fucking theater department having a meltdown uh, just having a wee meltdown. Just a little, little wee just meltdown. A little meltdown. <laughs> just, uh, deadly, <laughs> and so they call me and they text me and they're like, where the fuck are you, dude? We're trying to rehearse. God. I walk back in, probably looking like Buffy staring out the back door. Right. Uh, and because the director immediately switched from this locked and loaded response that was encoded into her face 
there was very much where the fuck have you been went from that to do you need to go yes in only the time it took me to open the door step in and take two or three steps towards her um yeah yeah that's how fucking serious this kind of shit is and how much they memories man it's how much they just fucking nailed this episode yeah that's all once upon a time there was um a kitty she was very little and she was all alone and nobody wanted her did the kitty get chosen by some nice people well now you ruin the ending Not anyway, tr- quick cut to the morgue. The morgue. Oh, sorry, I wasn't ready. Say the thing again. Hey, look, quick cut to the morgue. Da morgue. <laughs> yeah, we didn't plan that. Um, we didn't actually. No. Uh, and then back to we go to the dorms where Tara and Willow are getting ready, and Anya and Xander are driving up. They do that. That's the thing they do. Yeah. Willow's holding a green top with a kind of a funny look on her face. And this is where I really started to notice their use of silence and yeah. a very minimalistic sound and music. And I literally... No music. There's not a bit of music in the entire fucking episode, and we'll talk about that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't... There is no music. I didn't look that deep into it, but I will take your word for it at the moment. And uh, at this point... In the episode, I was seriously not sure if my headphones were broken or just not connected to my computer because uh, even though I heard the scissors that were cutting Joyce's top off in the morgue, I was like, but I can't hear anything else. I'm so accustomed to ambient noise and lines happening within a certain framing of time. That it was so jarring. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. It was brilliant. Absolutely. Anya and Xander pull up. Uh, everyone's very numb. Very numb. Uh, Xander double parks, but doesn't give a shit. Uh, no, he does not. Aunt Anya mentions it, but he's like, oh, let them give me a ticket. <laughs> um, We cut back upstairs where Willow and Willow's freaking out about her clothes. Yeah. Fuck, um, dude. Again. Again. I didn't think it could get any worse. I didn't. I I was like, all right. Surely the gut-wrenchingness is over now. There's this moment in this scene where she is, like, freaking out about how cutesy all her clothes are. Yeah. And I don't have any moments to specifically relate to this but i do i have had lots of moments in my life where being upset that like i didn't have good serious clothes yeah um i didn't get a lot of options when it came to my own clothes growing up Mm -hmm. and you know very poor family we didn't really do anything that needed hard quote nice clothes so there was a period of time in my life when pretty much most of my clothes were just fucking like print t-shirts and shit. 
Yeah. And jeans. And I didn't have like decent dress pants or anything like that. We are both wearing print t-shirts and jeans at this very moment. I'm not wearing jeans. I'm wearing shorts. Thank you. Oh. They're cloth shorts. They're, but they're I mean, not jean shorts. Uh, mo- I mean, nowadays, most of my clothes are, you know, fairly nicer clothes. And I only have a few print t-shirts and I refuse to buy more. Okie doke. Uh, and it's kind of part and parcel because of this sort of thing happening with me in in my early life where I just did not have clothes for any sorts of important occasions. Mm -hmm. And see, I've never really had that problem, but the existential dread and embarrassment of being caught in a moment where you were just having fun and being silly and suddenly shit gets real, real. And you just feel like a fucking clown. Like, you know, for instance, this one time I was stage managing a a talent show, and this uh, there one of the acts was somebody singing Aretha Franklin's "Respect," mm-hmm. and they did a lift, and it dislocated the singer's arm, Ooh. and oh. she starts screaming in the middle of the song, "Bloody oh. Murder!" Screaming, and I'm like. Thinking to myself, well, that's just a poor artistic choice. (laughs) And after, you know, two seconds of that, I'm like, oh, she's injured and in real pain. (laughs) Um, And that's one of those moments where I felt really, really bad for her. Um, Oh, yeah. and, And everybody involved and we all just felt silly and ridiculous. Uh, We had fucking paramedics coming in. (laughs) Anyway, shit like that. Or hell, here's this story that I've never shared with anybody ever. So this one time when I was like three or four years old, I was playing with the neighbor kid across the street and he thought it'd be really fun. You know, he had like a his mom was a babysitter or he had a baby sibling that was literally an infant. And he thought it'd be really fun if we got into the stash of diapers and put them on our elbows and knees and shoulders and wore them as, like, armor. That's quite weird. We were fucking, like, three, four years old. I'm three or four years old. Bear in mind. And I was like, whatever. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) We're children. I didn't think we could do this, but you're doing it, so it's fine. It's great. And then his mom comes into the room and is like, what the hell are you doing? Do you have any idea how expensive those things are? And I just immediately start crying because I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And I start taking them off and peeling them off of my elbows and knees. And she's like, well, no, you don't have to... They're ruined. I shit. She's <laughs> like, you might as well keep you having remember something that long ago. I have some weird, crazy fucking memories from my childhood. God, dude. I barely remember anything before age like thirteen. Uh, this is how deeply seated guilt is in my brain. Of course, you could probably assume that like the reason I don't remember much of anything before thirteen is trauma. Right? I had a lot of trauma before the age of 13. That'll happen. Now, I honestly remember the moment where I gained sentience. Oh, God. That's a story for another time. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm pulling these diapers off that we were only moments ago pretending is armor. And 
there was just this moment of she realizes she's ruined our fun and that we're fucking children. Yeah. Not even older children. We're like baby right. children. You're not old enough to understand how expensive we're those are. toddlers. Yeah. Fucking toddlers. And uh, she's... <laughs> she ruined it by yelling at us when it was already, like, they were ruined. But, and I just felt so horrible immediately it was like everybody's day was ruined now thanks thanks a lot <laughs> and that's how i feel like willow feels in this moment to bring it full circle because she's embarrassed that all of her clothes just yeah. make her look and feel like a child yeah so the next moment is a big deal the it's also one of my quotes of the day uh because willow in the midst of her like freak out Looks at Tara and says, Tara, I can't do this. Yeah. And then they have their first on-screen kiss. Was it their first? It's their first on-screen kiss. Wait, it, it no, was didn't I could swear no. this is this is the first homosexual kiss on this show and specifically on the WB that it was that it was aired on. Give me a moment though. Back up to the episode where we're in the dream sequence. Specifically of Xander imagining Willow and Tara in the back of the ice cream truck. They aren't making out in that, though. I could have sworn. Nope. All right. That's just your pervy, pervy little mind. Giggity. <laughs> I may or may not look that up later. No, I like I double-checked this. Okay. I did my research. All right. This was the fir their first on-screen kiss. All right, I'm going to take your word for it. Don't disappoint me, Rex. Uh, but <laughs> Tara's response... To Willow saying, I can't do this. Kisses her and then says, we can do this. And that right there is just, oh, that hits me heavy right there. Because, oh, yeah. like, that's the that's the moment where relationships matter. When you're having the shit hit the fan in your life, but you have this other person who's there for you and can help share the emotional burden. That's fucking important. But yeah, it's also uh, a moment where I like that they made it not a big deal at all. Yeah, it was very casual. It wasn't this big, swelling, romantic moment. It was just, I'm going to calm you down with this kiss. It wasn't their first kiss. Oh, right. As characters, exactly. Exactly. God, no. Exactly. But it was definitely the their first on-screen kiss. Yeah. I. Well done. Yeah. Well done. So Xander gets out of his car. Anya tells him he's double parked. He says, let him give me a ticket. I feel like we've been there. Yep. But um, Anya keeps asking what to do and what are we going to be expected to do? And they get up to Willow's, uh, Willow and Tara's room and Willow's afraid she's going to cry again after Xander asks her how she's doing. Anya awkwardly, I mean, which is kind of redundant, says, well, Xander cried at the apartment. It was weird. But yeah, it was it was mostly just weird to me that Anya uh, was so matter of factly. Oh, Xander cried. It was weird, which is very off putting to everybody else here as well, mainly Willow. Well, and so they multiple times here, Anya is saying things that is extremely off putting. Of course, it's kind of the main thing of the scene. Yeah, and they keep trying to off put this by changing the subject. So they start discussing location logistics. Basically, they're gonna. Head to the morgue, and um, Willow keeps needing to change her sweater. Xander wants to know if it was Glory that killed Joyce, and... Yeah, he has kind of a mini freak out here, too. 
Tara says Giles was sure that it wasn't. But yeah, Xander freaks out. Okay, and then we have this great fucking moment where Willow calms Xander down. Right? Because Willow can tell that Xander is getting angry and needs to fight and wants to do things. He's like, he starts to blame the doctors once he can't blame Glory anymore. And they're like, well, they're just scooping out tumors and slapping a Band-Aid on it and shoving her back out. But Willow, the line, the couple of lines here. Willow says, come on, puts her fists up, all super fucking cute where her, her like, sleeves are over her hands. It's yeah. adorable. Yeah. Let's go, you and me. And Sandra replies with, you know I can't take you. That was one of my quotes of the day. <laughs> and No, my quote of the day is Willow's response. Damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> and you know what? I believe it. I don't think for a second that Xander can take her. <laughs> Uh, not with her witchcraft, certainly not. <laughs> but it's such a great moment. It's like these two have been friends for so long that she knows precisely how to disarm the situation. It, yeah, it was absolutely a very welcome moment. Honestly, I think both Xander and Willow's lines there in that exchange are quote of the day worthy. Yeah. Um, and Anya interjects again. Are we going to see the body? <laughs> Collective shock, mostly Willow again. Yeah. Tara tries to change the subject by talking about uh, taking over Buffy's patrols. Yep. And Willow is back to being upset that she can't find her blue sweater. Yeah. So Tara is like, oh, well, maybe you left it in the laundry. I'll go check. And she exits. And uh, Anya finally just fucking drops the, um, she drops the real talk. Are they going to cut the body open? And Willow just fucking goes off on her. And she's like, your behavior is deplorable. It's not okay to be asking those things. And on poor Anya is just fucking confused. And like, even I like was like, wow, how can you be so cold, Anya? How can you not understand that this is a very sensitive time for these people? And uh, it's because she doesn't get it. Because she doesn't understand. And she's upset, too. That was the most important thing. And she's just trying to figure out how she's supposed to act. And because her first question is, I don't get it. Should I be changing my clothes a lot? Is is how does this work? What's the helpful thing to do? Yeah. Well, and she ends up breaking down and kind of ranting a bit where she goes on about how she doesn't understand mortality. She yeah. doesn't understand how Joyce is dead, but she's still there. And maybe, you know, why doesn't she just get back in her body? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? And I was ha- I was having fruit punch and I realized that Joyce will never have fruit punch again. And yeah. like completely falling apart. And the look on Willow's face as she's realizing why Anya is acting the way she is. And just, oh, it's... And Xander's. I don't think either of them really quite got it because this is such an important fucking moment. They both realize at this moment, she's not hopelessly cold and unfeeling and insensitive. She's just legitimately confused and doesn't understand social conventions. And even further, doesn't quite understand death or how to cope with it any better than they do. And she's just struggling to make sense of it all. But it's, but she is torn up on the inside and that was the missing link they didn't think that she was upset exactly 
frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. Putrefying diseases. It'll make you blind and insane, but it won't kill you. Light a bunch of candles and have sex near them. This car, I like it. Please remove your clothing now. But yeah, after her rant, uh, Willow just kind of replies with, well, we don't know. We don't know why this happens, but it does. And then everyone goes fucking quiet again. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's looking at each other. <laughs> Anya actually finds the blue shirt that Willow is looking for. Because she <laughs> sits down in a chair and she like pulls it out from under herself. Was... And like stuffs it in a drawer and no one no one notices it. Yeah, no, that was hilarious. And I, I was really hoping it was going to come back up later. But it was still funny. And we cut from Anya to Willow just sitting there quietly. And then we hear a fucking smash. Crunch. And, uh, you know. Xander put his his hand in the wall. Like sometimes, you do. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes some people do that. I I can't relate. That's I don't know what that's like at all. It's like I've there's never, a magnet there. I've never once ever, ever in my life, Josh, ever have I ever put my hand in the wall. Yeah, I usually put my foot in the wall. Um, I, I've never done that either. <laughs> I've also never put my head in the wall. I believe you. Um, I've also never put anyone else's body parts in walls. I don't even know what sarcasm is, Rex. (laughs) So I'm glad you're not using it right now. Otherwise we would be totally off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Xander asks, uh, well, he, he apologizes. Yes. For accidentally, uh, placing his fist inside the wall how did your fist get inside the wall? That's crazy. And funnily enough, he's stuck now. <laughs> Quote of the day, Xander says, who did the drywall in this place? Willow responds, I always forget to ask. Other quote of the day is she asks him if he feels better. And he says, for a second. And she's like, a whole second? A whole second. <laughs> and then he he's like, in my defense, this is, this is some crappy wallmanship. <laughs> wallmanship, yeah. Some shoddy masonry work. But my actual quote from this little exchange is when Tora, when Tora, when Tara comes back into the room, she's like, what happened? Anya says, Xander decided he blames the wall. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of germs in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, he finally frees himself from the wall just by uh, twisting it out. It's bleeding quite a lot, though. Yeah. And apparently there's a sink. Can't relate to this either. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> apparently there's a sink in this dorm room where he can wash it off and get a band aid. Is it a dorm room? Did they establish it is that? A, it is a dorm room. Okay. I I never lived in a dorm, so I don't really understand the varying levels of quality, whether it would have a sink or not. Whatever. I've never gone to a college that had even offered dorms, so Interesting. I definitely don't know. Okay. And so Tara gives this understanding, double meaning statement as. Xander looks at his fist, and Tara says, it hurts. And I'm like, oh, she means emotionally. Yeah. I get it. So that was a fun little moment, I guess. They all agree that uh, they need to be there for Buffy because that's just what they do. They help Buffy. Anya, of course, is still confused about how they're going to help. And then they all leave. Before that, though, there's a great moment as Xander's going on about how... they need to assemble and they'll do what they can to help in the foreground 
because you're kind of focused on Xander as he's talking, but in the foreground, you actually see Willow looking at Tara and mouths, I love you. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And then they all fuck off. And then Willow comes back in for a different sweater. Yep. And pan outside to Xander getting a ticket. Xander gets a ticket. We, yeah, that's, I can't say that it was funny, but it was the right way to end the scene. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure he doesn't care. He may or may not. He's payday man after all. Cut to the morgue where the doctor takes his gloves off wrong. (laughs) He covers up Joyce's body with the sheet. And then removes his bloody rubber gloves. I didn't notice that he took them off wrong. So, I don't know if you know this, but there's a specific way to take... Yes, I do. Yeah, because if you take them off wrong, you you get blood on your hands. You contaminate your hands. I did notice that he didn't wash his hands or change any clothes. No, he didn't. After cutting up a dead body, presumably. Yeah, he didn't clean anything. Uh, (laughs) Like, and... Like, it's it's one thing that he takes the gloves off wrong, but then he doesn't wash anything before walking out. And talking to the family. But also... While covered in their relatives' dead body blood. J- Josh, why do... Like, wouldn't it be an OSHA, a, an OSHA violation as to why these hallways and rooms are so fucking dark? Yes, yes, like, it would. For fuck's sake! And I feel like these hallways, Turn on a light. these hallways are fucking cluttered, right? With dystopian amounts of well clutter. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to give props to Kristen Sutherland here. She plays a fantastic dead body. Fun fact: during the filming of this, she actually only blinked on camera once. Damn! And they were easily able to edit it out. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, I was wondering. God, that's impressive. I can't right? can't not blink. Right. Good for and her. And the moment you the moment you try to not blink, you're gonna blink twice as much. Exactly. <laughs> I was starting to think, man, maybe they made a spot on body double. No, she's actually dead. They they just murdered her. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Why you gotta take her to the sexy place, Rex? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> She's just a very method actor. How okay? do you like that for all the necrophiliacs <laughs> out there? Huh? This that podcast... irresistible urge to crack open a cold one. This podcast has something for everyone. You see, <laughs> you want to fuck a dead body? We'll talk about it. We won't take you seriously. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off with that shit. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed. We found it. We found the line. We <laughs> found my line. <laughs> no, I'm okay with it. I got over it. Oh, okay. It's all right. We're 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 done now? It's going to be okay. It was just like a little bit of indigestion there. Oh, yeah. I got a, it. was a, <laughs> a spot of mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that quote is from the Scrooge script. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Bit of indigestion. Yeah. Anyway, the, the doctor, uh, we follow him as he walks through the halls to go to the waiting room to meet the Scoobies. It's actually the doctor who did the brain surgery. Oh, well. Um, same actor and everything. Nice double up. Yeah. Go them. I don't think it would actually they would actually like bring in her doctor for that. No, I don't think so as well. But I would think that perhaps since it was relatively shortly after the surgery that he might take a personal interest. That I could... 
Maybe he wants to be like, hey, I hope I didn't fuck this up. Uh, I need to to do the autopsy for (laughs) legal reasons. Yeah. My own legal reasons. Actually, I think they legally wouldn't allow him to do the autopsy for that exact reason. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, he... We do get this great moment before the doctor walks up. Everyone's like greeting each other and saying thank you for being here and everything. And Anya like aggressively borderline tackle hugs Giles. Right. And you could see the look on on Giles's face where he's like, oh, God. (laughs) And then, you know, it's kind of this moment where like he realizes, oh, right. I'm a father figure to this person. Or that even this psychopath needs love, too. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody hugs everybody. Even You Z- get a hug. You get a hug. Everybody Everyone gets, gets a, hug. a hug. Even Xander hugs Giles, and they don't get weird about it. Right. Go with them. Good. Good. And then, yeah, aggressive Anya hug. Um, the All the Anya moments in this episode are really... Every last one. They are hitting me the hardest. Uh, throughout this See, the entire ter- episode. The Tara moments got me the most. Really? Yeah, the Tara yeah, moments got me the most. Anya through and through for me. Finally, they turn and they see the doctor. Yep. Buffy, Giles, and Don break off for the group to go talk to him. Yep. And he explains to them that, you know, it was in fact an aneurysm, probably because of the tumor. For future reference, first thing Don said was, can we see her? And Buffy shuts her down. She's like, Don, not now. Yeah. And then the doctor explains. So it was in fact an aneurysm, potentially from the surgery. Not necessarily from the surgery, but related to... Yeah, the doctor... uh, It's very important legalese here. Yeah. (laughs) But also, she'd have died from the tumor. Right. So you can't sue for, like, malpractice. Buffy Buffy specifically was like, hey, shouldn't we have known that this was a possibility? And the doctor, potentially just lying and covering his ass, is like, well, well, Joyce knew. Joyce Joyce knew. knew. Oh, definitely. Joyce definitely knew. Yeah. That's... Totally verifiable at this point. Yes. As you can tell. <laughs> you can tell because I am a doctor and I am telling you and I can't lie. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> we get a, a slight little fiction cut here as the doctor's like talking. What's the specific line that Buffy imagines? Because the doctor says that Joyce almost certainly didn't feel any pain. Buffy reconfirms this point after he finishes. And she's like, so you're sure she didn't feel any pain? And he says, oh, absolutely. We have to lie to you to make you feel better. Right. And that is almost certainly just her delusion or just her dissociative moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such an easy thing to be like, that's probably bullshit. This is one of the few types of deaths where that might actually be true. Right. You well, know, because there are no pain receptors in the brain. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I believe it. But it's, she, it's one of the few times where I do believe it. But Buffy has trust issues. Well, yeah. So was, it, it was still <laughs> it was still a good moment. Or it was a well done moment anyway. And then uh, Giles does probably the best act any man in this circumstance can do for another person. Mm-hmm. And that is, he will handle as much of the paperwork as possible. Yeah, and honestly, this was twofold. I, I When I stopped to think about how this episode was mainly about watching all of the different ways that all of these characters grieve, I realized we didn't really get much from Giles, except for his initial moment of panic at seeing Joyce's body, comforting Buffy, and again, basically volunteering to drown himself in paperwork for Buffy. 
he throws himself in front of the the paperwork bullet because well, he, that's that's his dissociative. He tactic. compartmentalizes, yeah, and then takes on a lot of pressure to comfort others and to support them. Yep, I think that's exactly the way Giles ought to respond. It fits perfectly. But yeah, definitely, I, I agree. That was the best thing he could have done for her she was visibly relieved yeah and so buffy goes and sits down with the scooby gang dawn stays standing uh seeming displeased about something i can't imagine what buffy thinks that dawn is mad at her because you know she told her her mom's dead right you know possible this is after she goes to the bathroom but before that she says what about then trails off and says she has to go pee. And they're like, oh, do you need somebody to go with you? And she says, no, I still remember how to pee. Yeah. Which, <laughs> okay, whatever. No, I can I can understand that. Uh, yeah. Ha- having some attitude, it's like, look, I get it. Everyone's upset, but I, like, stop fucking coddling me quite so much. Yeah, but, you know, that's also just a thing... Some people have group uh, mentality about going yeah. to the bathroom, and she's not one of them. But they they offered that it was I it was a very nice supportive moment that Dawn was not okay with because they're not paying attention to what her problem is, and if which is a recurring theme with Dawn, a little bit, if a tiny bit, because she a, a wee little bit pretty much directly <laughs> said, "I want to go see." her body i need to see her body and they completely just shut her down they have a habit of this with don no your things aren't important don but the adults are talking and of course she's upset and of course she's responding this is one of the few times where it makes sense to me that they don't notice this problem yeah absolutely because they're all dealing with it and they're all very hyper self-focused absolutely Nevertheless, it's still a thing that's happening, and it makes perfect sense to me why she would respond with the seemingly very curt response of, no, I still remember how to pee. Sarcasm. Whatever. Anyway, so they immediately start talking behind her back as she goes to the bathroom, questioning why she's mad at at Buffy. It's like she doesn't believe it still. Um, Yeah, and it makes sense to me. She... You know, she needs to see the body because she's feeling in denial. Absolutely. The stages of grief and whatnot, etc. You know, I, a friend of mine died a few years ago, and it really pissed me off that, you know, I didn't really know his family very well, and they just immediately had him cremated. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. It's not like you couldn't have it's, done an open casket. Like, it's very important for some people to be able to see the body. To It is very helpful for of, me, specifically. I'm a very visual person. And, like, I personally don't need it, but I do understand those who do. And, you know, if you can, you should. Yeah. And, I mean, he was down south when it happened, and embalming is very expensive. Yeah. And it seems weird to have somebody cremated after they've been embalmed right so i get it but it was still not great for um you know how i process death um and so i'm really on dawn's side here um and so she goes to the bathroom taryn and everybody else fucks off to get snacks before that anya 
uh, in her most subtle way possible, which is to say not, blurts out, I wish that Joyce didn't die. Oh, yeah. Everyone turns and looks at her and she goes, because she was nice and now we all hurt. And Buffy just thanks her for it. Yeah, even Buffy, who wasn't there earlier. Like, everyone can understand, like, everyone looks at Buffy like, oh, God, Anya, what have you done? And Buffy just, like, accepts it for what it is and understands that, like, this is somebody who just doesn't understand how to people. Yeah. And I love that Buffy, even in her fugue state of grief here, is able to parse together that this is Anya trying to be sensitive. Yeah. I think... More often than not, Buffy seems to understand Anya more than the rest of the other characters. Yeah, I would think Willow would get her more often than not, but Willow seems to be the one that butts heads with her the most. Honestly, I think that's a bit of uh, not getting along with your with someone who's too much like you. Possibly. Because, uh, you know, I like I personally don't like other people who are like me. Yeah, I've noticed. And... and so like I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like no, you're you remind me too much of me. Bye. <laughs> so that's that's kind of why I think Willow and Anya kind of get at each other too much. Sure. Plus, you know the whole Xander equation. Sure. I mean they pretty much resolved that a few episodes ago. Anyway, Xander, Willow, and Anya go off to get some snacks, and leaving Tara and Buffy sitting on the couch together. I will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Tara and Buffy have um, kind of an okay moment here. First, Buffy apologizes to Tara. And Buffy's done this a few times now. And I just wanted to make note of it because multiple times now, Buffy has apologized to other characters for things going on. And that's trauma response. Mm. So, Oh, she did say, like, sorry for you. Sorry you have to deal with all of this yeah. for me. And uh, this is when Tara reveals to Buffy that her mom died when she was 17. So she kind of, you know, they, they empathize with each other. Yeah. They, they get... Tara gets what's going on with Buffy. Not the very specifics, because the very specifics always change, but, you know, it's trauma. It's... Yeah, they they did have a little bonding moment here, and Tara starts to say, if you ever need... And then trails off. Lots of trailing off in this episode. Did you notice that she stutters? A couple of times. It's very minor acting. Very minor stutters, but nevertheless, they were there. It's great acting because it tells us that Tara feels uncomfortable, on edge, and a little out of her element. And that, to me, makes a lot of sense because we've had instances in previous episodes where Tara expresses some sort of level of being intimidated by Buffy Mm. because of who she is and the the status of friend that she is Mm -hmm. to Willow. And this is... We haven't had that many scenes yet where it's just Tara and Buffy. True. And I think this is character-wise for these two, and their potential friendship is fucking important. You know, they're they're able to, you know, connect on a fairly strong emotional level. I also think it was important how they ended their conversation when she trails off with, if you ever need, 
and then stopped. And they just kind of both had this understanding that there's this empty platitude that everybody says when somebody yep. has somebody die. They're like, if you never, if you need anything, um, I think she was trying to decide if she should end the sentence. If you ever need to talk to somebody about it, yeah, because I I hate the if you if you need anything, just no, don't say that. Because what if you need money? I do like <laughs> I do like Tara's line here because Buffy asks Tara if her mom died suddenly, and Tara's line was no, and yes, it's always sudden, referring to the fact that it doesn't matter what's going on. You can never really be prepared for someone to die. Right. Especially if you are, you know, a child or close to it. As yeah. you know, if you're in your if you're in your mid twenties, you're still a child, like brain chemistry wise. So that's a hard time to cope with something like this. A bit. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, decent moment there for character development between uh, Tara and Buffy's relationship. Cut to Dawn's little adventure. Yeah. Dawn comes out of the bathroom, peeks around the corner, and when she is satisfied that nobody sees her, she fucks off down the long, dark hallway to the morgue. Yeah. I assumed that she was already there throughout this entire conversation. Right? Like, with, she didn't go to the bathroom. With Tara and Buffy. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> she bothered going to the bathroom at all. But here we go. Hey, now she's going. But hey, she walks into the morgue. She locks the door behind her because that's important. Okay, that's why it's locked when Buffy yeah. gets there. Okay. But there it is a room full of a dozen dead bodies covered in sheets, but by God, she knows exactly which one is her mother. Maybe half a dozen. I only remember like three or four. Yeah, she just happens to walk right up to Joyce's body of the bodies that are yeah. in there. I thought that was interesting. And but, you know, they, they didn't have time to fuck around with that. Yep. Again, the framing of this shot, um, the way that she was on the left third of the screen, the fantastic use of rule of thirds, all I could imagine uh, with the lighting, you could see this archway over her left shoulder on the right mm -hmm. side of the screen. And something about it just made me go, oh, shit. What if one of those fucking bodies <laughs> sits up real slowly behind her? Oh, thank God that didn't happen because... <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, wait. What? It, it did happen. Huh? Uh, this it just happened. in. Oh, this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so yeah, that's the thing that canon often does happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we hear the pat of bare feet on cold yeah. hard tile, and we see some naked dead legs start to amble towards Dawn's. Naked, damn naked dead legs. <laughs> <laughs> She's still got her back turned, and she's about to pull the sheet off of Joyce. Cut back to the waiting room. Yeah. Uh, so back in the waiting room, Willow, Xander, and Anya return with a vending machine's worth of snacks. Metric fuck tons of snacks and coffee. Yes, and coffee. And soda. And <laughs> literally anything you could possibly think to want. Willow's like, we panicked. Buffy's like, yeah, I'm not hungry. And Xander's like, what about the Dawnster? Is she still in the bathroom? Buffy's like, I guess so. And then realizing it's been a little too long. I mean, nobody takes that long. Not even to poop. <laughs> Four minutes tops. That bitch is off looking at dead mom bodies. I know it. Well, I'll show her a thing or two about looking at dead mom bodies. And cut to Buffy's little adventure. Yes. 
Because Buffy notices the dark, scary, dead people hallway is directly across from the bathroom. And, you know, if you're if you're going to have a dark, scary, uh, what'd you call it? Dead people hallway? Yeah, if you're going to have a dark, scary, dead people hallway, well, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Dawn must be in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> X, she puts two and two together rather quickly, even without checking if Dawn was pooping. She's a smart one. She probably tracks all of Dawn's poops just so she can better right. monitor her movements. <laughs> Especially her bowel movements. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Poop. So Buffy makes it to the morgue door after enjoying the same buffet of dark shadowy pipes and hallway clutter as Dawn did. And she sees a vampire attacking Dawn. Oh, no. And here's here's she, she well. wasn't pooping at all. No. So Buffy breaks down the door, which I thought was unlocked, but as you established earlier, Dawn locked it. Yep. So she breaks down the door and jumps right on this vampire's back, pulling him away from Dawn. Um, is actually struggling a little. Uh, he must be a pretty strong fucking vampire for a noob. Right. Because uh, she's having a hard time. And in the kerfuffle, the clusterfuck of struggle, Joyce's sheet gets pulled off from her face. So Buffy's struggling down on the floor with the vampire, but manages to pin him down. And she grabs a bone saw that's clattered to the floor. And decapitates him with it. Decapitates that motherfucker and dusts him. Back to the drama. Yeah, so she after she kills the vampire, she looks up to see Dawn uh, staring at the body. Dawn stands up to look, get a closer look. Dawn asks if she's cold. Buffy replies with, it's not her. It's not her. She's gone. Dawn says, but where did she go? And then reaches out to touch the body, cut to black before she does. And play that sad piano a little fucking louder if you could, because goddamn, that's some sad shit. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm done crying. Been crying this whole fucking episode. Yeah. Fuck this. Gerarg. Ger fucking arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall walk in Hold on. You've got something here. And let me tell you, ah, nothing like a very intense emotional TV show without any fucking music whatsoever to re make you realize how fucking loud your apartment is. <laughs> right? Because the moment I was done watching this, like, the fucking volume of every little thing in this goddamn apartment was just so intense. I didn't realize how dehydrated I was till I got to my car and I grabbed my bottle of water and it was like, I'm just going to take a sip little sip oh 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 my that's good sip glug 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 ah oh. water tastes good <laughs> glub glub <laughs> exactly exactly how'd you feel about this episode rex <laughs> i don't know yeah on one hand it's amazing Right. But on the other hand, how dare you make me feel my feelings? <laughs> <laughs> you made me feel my own feelings. Nobody makes me feel my own feelings. <laughs> so, like, no, it is it is, it is, is a phenomenal episode. Can I say I enjoyed it? I don't know. I guess I enjoyed it in the way that, like, 
having a good cry is very like enjoyable cathartic cathartic that's the word i was trying to think of perhaps yeah but like <sighs> i don't know i that's all i got how'd you feel huh. about the episode i for one am so glad we finally got this monkey off of buffy's back this bitch has been holding her back for okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not gonna finish that thought. No, it it fucking uh, they stuck it in and they broke it off and they did it really well. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> complain about it because holy shit, that was some good fucking drama. Yeah, drama, drama, drama. Amazing acting, amazing cinematography, amazing everything. Yeah. Except for score. Not a great score. Yeah. Or it was a great score. So I wanted I wanted to talk briefly about the sound production of this episode. Mm. The term I was trying to fucking remember and I couldn't remember is diegetic. Interesting. Um so the the sound of this episode is the term is diegetic, meaning that the sounds that the actors or the characters can hear. So there is no sound in this entire episode that isn't diegetic. There's no ambience that the actors wouldn't be able to hear or that the characters wouldn't be able to hear. Yeah. There's no background music whatsoever. It's all just in the moment. And this was done on purpose specifically to do two things. One, make us pay a lot of fucking attention to what the hell is going on. And two pull us into the moment and hold us in there. And this is why I say that this episode made me feel my feelings because mm. like you couldn't, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it's extremely uncomfortable the whole fucking episode. And it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. and they do it so fucking well. It's very effective. But uh, the last thing I wanted to say is that apparently Kristen Sutherland was informed by the end of season two, that her character was going to die. Hmm. That's good notice. Yeah. You know, good on them, because that gave her time to start planning ahead for yeah. more work. And, and But also, it gave her time to really put in some oomph to the character to make it fuck, you know, stick the landing, so to speak. Yeah, I guess. Definitely. Well, boy, did it stick. Do, uh... And broke off. Yeah. Do you, do you have a quote of the day? Uh, I can pick something. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I I I got one. I actually I actually started while I was taking the notes for this episode because I'm like, oh, there, that's my quote. But yeah, the, my quote of the day is undecidedly Anya saying Xander decided he blames the wall. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I have so repeatedly in my life blamed the wall. <laughs> those damn walls they're always causing shit very nice very nice um i'm gonna give it to xander and willow xander says you know i can't take you willow says damn straight yeah that was a fun moment it was it was a wow these two have known each other forever moment right and also it's uh it's much shorter and concise quote as opposed to Anya's entire meltdown <laughs> which is which I otherwise would have chosen oh my god I it took a lot of willpower to not write down the whole fucking rant 
Yeah. And because more importantly... You hit the high points. Right. More importantly, her entire rant is generally how you feel about death as a child. Right. But puts it into words that, like, as a child, you just don't have. Yeah. Because when you don't understand it, it's terrifying. Mm. Yeah. I I had so much sympathy for Anya. Uh, Yeah. She, like I said, she hit me the hardest, this one. (sighs) It was just gut-wrenching. The whole fucking episode, just absolutely gut-wrenching. And, you know, (laughs) I just have to say that uh, the... Oddly, the uh, largest part of me is just kind of happy that we're finally done with this episode. <laughs> right. Because people can stop asking us about it. <laughs> I'm mostly happy because uh, there's this guy I keep running into who knows I have a Buffy podcast who wants to talk to me about the body specifically. Oh, God. <laughs> and I've, m- for many weeks now, had to be like, dude, stop. We're so close. Stop fucking <laughs> talking to me about the body. I'm not there yet this is one of those episodes that multiple people have fucking mentioned to me as well Uh, they want to talk about this episode and after watching the episode i completely understand why people want to talk about this episode Oh, absolutely i got it anyway i was just like but stop (laughs) and i'm and i'm so happy that finally some fans will get to talk to us about this episode yeah and yeah yeah I can finally be like, no, this is what, let me actually talk about it and I'll tell you what I feel about the episode. Definitely. So yeah, this is, this has been a a heart-wrenching episode of Beer with Buffy. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, join our Facebook fan group, Beer with Buffy group. If you'd like to support us, you can do so best by giving us an iTunes review or a review on your favorite reviewable podcast app of your choice and remember if you do give us a review we will get you a sticker free stickers multiple times now if you'd like to support us more directly you can do that via either buying some of that merch stickers and the like hoodies t-shirts uh mugs you can also do so directly just by giving us your cold hard cash through supporting us on patreon we want your money lebowski uh, these two, you can find our store with beerwithbuffy.com slash shop or patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Give us your money. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you- <laughs> <laughs> I-, I got nothing else. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to try and save you, and I was like, no, I'm just going to let that I be just, as awkward as possible. Yeah, it's fine. I'm feeling the crush of money right now. Man. There it is. I'm feeling the crush of money. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so a couple of ways. Uh, you know, message us on the Facebook and Twitter or any of the other places that you see our socials. But you can also just directly get a hold of us via email, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text via our phone number, 269-743-0783. And then, as always, thank you so much to JJ Treadway for transitioning, opening, closing music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And I think think I'm going to go cry more. Why? Joyce is fine. She's not fine. Everything's fine, (laughs) Joyce. Wolfie's just fine. T2 reference to end that episode. It's not a reference to anything. I know. It wasn't even in the episode.
Beer with Buffy. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> done why are we watching this 